0: So welcome to our Catechism class and today we're looking at the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 48 and the subject is Praying about the Kingdom of God, Question 123. The Catechist is teaching us here about the Lord's Prayer and his point is that we should never just rhyme our way through a set prayer, a liturgy, without thinking about the meaning of its petitions, for that would be to fall into the trap of vain repetition. And Jesus warns us that prayers that get repeated in that fashion are pointless. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 to 8, he says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So we must consider carefully every single line of the Lord's Prayer so that we can use it as a tool, as a model prayer to shape the petitions of our daily prayers, to teach us how we should pray. In Luke 11 and verse 1, we read, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. That's when Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, teaching them how to pray. So now we come to the second petition of the prayer. And our instructor in the Heidelberg Catechism asks, What is the second petition? The answer is, Your kingdom come. That is, so rule us by your word and spirit, That more and more we submit to you, preserve and increase your church, destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you, and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. That's the question and answer from the Heidelberg Catechism that we're going to ask. In this simple lesson. I'm Bob McAvoy and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. It seems to me that the Catechist identifies four different features of God's kingdom and teaches us to pray about each of those features. My life is part of the kingdom of God. His church is part of his kingdom. His kingdom is the battle against evil. And God's kingdom has an eschatological and end-time dimension. Those four areas are part of what we understand by the kingdom of God. And every single part is worth our prayers. So we're going to look at those four separate aspects to the kingdom of God. And the first thing that we pray when we say, Thy kingdom come, is we are praying that God will grow his kingdom within me. So rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you says the Catechist. Now, we've already seen in the first petition of the prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, that we are God's children. And that's so. But not only are we his children, we are also his subjects. He is our king, and we are the members of his kingdom. And the consequences of that is that he will rule over us, and we will humbly surrender to him. That's the relationship between a king and and that king's loyal subjects. So whenever we pray this petition, we are firstly asking that the kingdom of God may be established in my own life, that God will have the rule over me, that I will submit to him and do his bidding, do his will, and put what he wants first in my life, that I will seek first the kingdom of God. Now, how will God's kingdom be established and extended in my life? Well, the Catechist reminds us of how we grow in grace and how we become better citizens of his kingdom. He tells us that this is by God's word and by God's spirit. So rule us by your word and spirit that more and more we submit to you. If we really want to be good citizens of the kingdom of God, We must spend time reading and studying and meditating upon the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is through the entry of God's word into our lives, moulding our will, building Christian character, forming our worldviews and our outlook and shaping our minds, and opening our eyes to receive the written revelation of God, that is how God extends his kingdom within you and me, as we submit more and more to his kingly rule. Again in Psalm 119, this time in verse 130, the psalmist writes, The entrance of your word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. And God's Holy Spirit applies the word to our lives. Psalm 143 verse 10 says, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. So as the word enters into our lives, changing us, the Holy Spirit applies it and it works a sanctifying work within us. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Verses 17 and 18 So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are asking that God would transform us and bring us more into dependence upon him, more in conformity with his will through the cleansing effect of the word of God and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 to 27, Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The second point that the Catechist makes is that when we pray this second petition, we're asking God to grow his kingdom in his church. Preserve and increase your church. Psalm 51 and verse 18. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Now that we have prayed for the kingdom of God to come in my life, we can pray for the church. That God would extend his kingdom, extend his reign in his own church. Isn't that strange? We may think that we don't need to pray this part of the prayer. For surely if Jesus is king anywhere at all, it should be in his own church, the body of Christ. But do remember that the church is comprised of sinners, people whose natural tendency is to go the opposite direction to the way that God wants to lead us. So the Catechist suggests two prayers for the church in this petition. The first prayer is that the church might be preserved. And the second is that the church might be increased. So left to us, the church would quickly be destroyed, as we can see in modern Christianity. If you look at some of the modern versions of so-called Christianity in other parts of the world, gay-affirming, feminised, emotionally-driven liberal clubs, more interested in diversity and so-called social justice than in actually proclaiming the good news, of eternal salvation for lost sinners. Or even closer at home here in Northern Ireland, clerics who rattle on about social cohesion, but rarely never speak of repentance or forgiveness of sins. All of these debased pseudo-Christian gatherings, displaying evidence of churches that have been destroyed and degraded by the very people who should be faithfully pastoring them, Now, we shouldn't be like them, but we mustn't be complacent. We mustn't stop to congratulate ourselves or or pat ourselves on the back or think how holy we are, for we would do likewise if we were left to our own sinful devices. Instead, let's earnestly pray that the Lord would preserve his church, preserve us, preserve our churches from our sinful backsliding ways after all we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem we're to pray in Psalm 122 verse 6 to 9 that they would be secure who love the Lord we're to pray for peace within the church and security within the church pray for my brothers and my companions sake that we may be at one with each other But the Catechist doesn't just ask that we pray for the church to be preserved, but that the church might be increased. We find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 to verse 47, that passage that talks about the early church, where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and prayers, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Some critics of the Heidelberg Catechism can make the point that there is little teaching on missions and evangelism in the Catechism. That criticism might hold some weight. But here in our prayers we are reminded by our instructor that it is God's will that the church should not be numerically static, but that it should increase. A superintendent pastor went to visit a young man just out of Bible college a year or so a young man now in a pastoral role in a country church. Well, asked the older minister, how is the church doing in this town, spiritually and numerically? Is there any growth? The young pastor replied, oh well, we're we're holding our own. The older pastor snorted, ha, you're holding your own, are you? That just means the devil's holding his own too. So we pray for the church to be preserved, But we also pray that the church will be increased, that it will be added to. For Jesus said, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thirdly, the Catechist encourages us to pray that God would grow his kingdom in victory over evil. God's kingdom is not static. God's kingdom is is advancing. That last story that we thought about a moment ago about the young pastor and the older man brings me neatly to this third understanding of the second petition. The implication that in the extension and building of God's kingdom the devil's kingdom will be depopulated and his rule over human hearts decreased. Modern Christianity had become obsessed for a while with something called spiritual warfare. But in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray thy kingdom come, we are praying for God to wage that warfare, not for us, for him to be victorious in the battle against evil. There are three enemies that the Catechist identifies for us here. He talks about the works of the devil. He talks about anti-christian powers and he talks about conspiracies aimed at the word of god let's think of those very briefly the works of the devil the devil is working and while we don't want to give him any publicity or keep people thinking about satanic activity all of the time we must not underestimate him either peter tells us in first peter 5 and verse 8 be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Always remember that the devil is a defeated foe. Always remember that we can rely on what we read in God's word in Romans 16 and verse 20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So we pray that Satan will soon be crushed, that his plans will be thwarted, that his nefarious schemes will be brought to naught. What about these anti-Christian powers? The Catechist speaks of every power that raises itself against you. Now there is no doubt that anti-Christian activity is wickedly inspired by Satan himself. But often that activity is perpetuated by other people. The devil is our enemy. But he has people manipulated by him. And we must pray for their release and for their salvation. And at the same time, we pray for those Christians who are suffering from persecution and fear because of powers against the Lord and his church. So we have the works of the devil, anti-Christian powers and conspiracies aimed at the word of God. There is a particular enemy within visible Christendom. And that is the subtle attacks upon the word of god and the catechist here is careful to include this conspiracies against god's word frequently those attacks and those conspiracies come from academic institutions from doubters and skeptics within the visible church from those who have a low view of god's word every liberal deceit every doctrinal downgrade begins somewhere with an attack on scripture by asking is that really what God said the very same question posed by the serpent in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 when we pray thy kingdom come we are led to understand that the devil's work and his kingdom is being destroyed and one day will be destroyed in all of its aspects lastly then The catechist reminds us that God's kingdom will one day reign everywhere and we pray grow your kingdom until God's glory reigns the catechist puts it like this do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes wherein you shall be all in all it's important to remember that the kingdom of God is for the here and now in us in the church in the ongoing battle against evil. But the kingdom of God is also in the future. Right now God reigns in the hearts of believers who owe willing allegiance to him. Right now God reigns in the church, which ought to obey God first and foremost. Right now God reigns in mighty power, defeating every assault of the devil. But a day will come when Jesus shall rule over all the earth and all will acknowledge him as king in philippians 2 and 10 paul writes that at the name of jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father now when that happens then his glory will be the basis and the object of our society right throughout the entire universe, his praise will be on everyone's lips. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 28. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. On that great day, Not only human voices redeemed from the curse of the fall will own his kingship and acknowledge his rule, but all of creation will be restored and redeemed and will bring him glory. Read Romans chapter 8 and verse 22 to verse 24. So we pray thy kingdom come and we ask that the Lord would very soon establish his visible reign over all the earth and over the universe. In a kingdom where everyone will bow to him, where all evil will be dissipated, where all death will be defeated, where all pain and suffering will be banished forever. Thy kingdom come. Prayer from Matthew Henry's book A Way to Pray. Heavenly Father, let the kingdom of your grace come into our hearts, that they may be temples of the Holy Spirit. Let no iniquity get dominion over us. Rule in us by the power of truth, that being of the truth we may always hear Christ's voice, and may not only call him Lord but do what he tells us. Oh, let the kingdom of your glory be hastened. We believe it will come. We look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus, to come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We hope that he shall appear to our joy, for we love his appearing. We are waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Make us ready for it that we may then raise our heads with joy, knowing that our redemption is drawing near. In Jesus' name, Amen.